Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, the Netflix podcast about the shows and films everyone seems to be talking about and why. As usual, we will be having a spoiler-filled discussion on all titles, so please check the show notes for timestamps in case you want to avoid them. I'm your host, Bobby Finger, and I am joined today by Jaya Saxena, writer, editor, and author of Basic Witches, How to Summon Success, Banish Drama, and Raise Hell with Your Coven, and Louis Peitzman, writer and creator of the weekly newsletter High Drama, which covers theater, housewives, and horror. Hello, you two. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Super good. Um, it's warming up outside. It's warming up. Yeah. Every time I start one of these episodes, I'm like, it's a blisteringly cold day, and today it's not. It's warm. It's I'm getting hor- allergies. It's, it's horrible. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> allergies and starting to sweat more, which is really, you know, a joy for everyone. And you're drinking cold beverages instead of hot Java, cold. like people often have. As Seltzer. if, as if I would ever drink a warm beverage. <laughs> uh. I, I should have gotten a Java to be on brand, but. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about, what are we here to talk about? Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Selling Sunset, a little Our Planet chat, maybe a little OA chat. Mm. And then who knows? It's sort of a grab bag. It's a free for all. Great. So many things. What's the last thing you watched that you love, not counting your homework assignments? Mm. Lewis, start with you. Oh, okay, great. I had to think about it. Well, because the last thing that I watched that I loved was uh, Disney's Hercules, mm-hmm. um, which is <laughs> just, you know, one of those Netflix titles that I... <laughs> Zero to hero. Fall, yeah. That I fall asleep. <laughs> I watch a lot of kids' movies before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Like, I put oh, them on nice. and then I fall asleep. Do you put the sleep timer on? No, I just let it play let it forever. I mean, <laughs> I've done all the damage I can to my eyes and brain, so... <laughs> um, but I also have been rewatching Nailed It because it just brings me comfort. Nicole? Yes, I mean, mm-hmm. I just I, I I watch it and it makes me feel better about all of my accomplishments, which are small, but also you know people on nailed it like don't really have a lot of talent and they <laughs> and they get praised for pulling it together somehow and that's like mm-hmm. all I want is like a very low bar mm-hmm. and to hit that. People on nailed it don't even follow directions. That's one of they the most shocking things also, about nailed it. It's like it's like I, I I know that I would be so much worse than they are. Like as bad as they are, I'm like I would be the person who like couldn't even finish mm-hmm. and it makes me think of like when they do back-to-back chef on the Bon Appetit oh, YouTube yeah. channel and I'm always like they say they have no cooking skills but I wouldn't even know where to begin and they like, had I Anthony would, on there I, well he has <laughs> cooking skills sure he does but I <laughs> I can like see I would just like be slicing a finger off and be like was that part of it like I don't mm-hmm. know where to yeah. go from here what's your favorite Hercules song I have a favorite probably I won't say I'm in love okay what yeah. what's what, what's that bad is that a bad, bad answer no, I don't think it's a bad answer. There are no bad answers I'm when feeling it comes very, to Disney's I'm Hercules. Feeling very judged. I just wanted to, you know, what, let what, you wait, what's yours? Yourself. Go the distance. Oh, uh, uh, that reprise. Mean... Oh, okay. <laughs> reprise. Okay, what did you watch that wasn't Disney's Hercules? Um, I, I recently rewatched The Birdcage. Oh, um, yeah. And I just, I still think it's a classic. I mean, obviously there are things about it that are dated now, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, I love it. All of these performances, I feel like I know Nathan Lane gets like, a ton of the credit because obviously he's incredible but I think Robin Williams like his Robin Williams's body language in that movie mm-hmm. is just like amazing mm-hmm. um forever mad at the sun for being like <sighs> such an asshole he's so horrible he's the so worst. Bad. and I'm just like how are just, how are you raised by like way, two gay men and you're still like, like this like hey, I don't Albert. <laughs> yeah hi yeah. He's such an asshole. He's such an he's asshole. Horrible. Also, and then he and Calista Flockhart are supposed to be like 19, 20 years old. He's right. a little he's a little older. She's like she's 21. Like 18, no, she's yeah, and she I think has, he's they, 20. and they've been and they've been like doing it since she was like what, 16, 17. It's very un- it's, unsettling. It's like you it's know awful. they're getting divorced immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> in situations like that, I don't know I don't know why movies don't just age them up. Like the movie would still work if they were 25. Right. The you movie know? would still be fine even if it was like he was graduating college. Yeah. 
and she were, you know, Just she were starting. 21, he was 23 or something. Like, it's still young, yeah, but I don't it's know like, what she the doesn't need to be 18. Calista Flockhart, and then she has, like, her, like, like childish haircut and little mannerisms, and it's like, yeah, Calista, she... you're 32. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know what's <laughs> happening here. She's always been the same age. She's always, Calista Flockhart remains, like, in her early 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot about, I just watched it again recently, too, and, like, for the, you know, 5,000th time, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about how the Hank Azaria character is, like, something that is one of those dated things that you mentioned that I was, like, would yeah. never, would, like, not fly now. Like, mm-hmm. if we're mad about Apu, we probably should be mad about right. Hank Azaria. Spartacus. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but also he gets the best him. lines. Mm-hmm. Come on, Gloria. And- <laughs> I think my favorite movie, my favorite line of the movie is Come on, Gloria. Or I think I regularly say around the house, uh, I do not wear shoes because they make me fall down. <laughs> and and it's just such an amazing, also, like, physical gag of him putting on shoes and then trying to Falling open the down. door and just, like, fully not knowing how to walk. Uh, now I'm trying to think of all the other Agador lines I love. And I maybe number one is when he's talking about how, like, his father was a shaman, his mother was a high priestess, <laughs> and then Robin Williams is like, well, then why did they move to New Jersey? And, she, and he goes, I don't know. They're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They're so stupid. Uh, while so yeah, we're no. gonna end the podcast here and just watch the birdcage <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> um, I my my answer to this question, I've already said go the distance reprise. Um, <laughs> I too watched Birdcage in the past six months for sure. I've been watching Our Planet. Mm-hmm. I have like two episodes left. It's so sad. <laughs> have either of you watched so, it? No, it's but it's but beautiful. It's, it's but it's like it's like you know your standard nature documentary, but with the reminder that everything's dying. Yeah, and we're gonna right. die. Soon. Which Planet Earth didn't really have. Planet Earth made suggestions or allusions to the fact that like things aren't that great, buddy. But and like they had like extras at the end that was like, oh, how we filmed this and stuff yeah. that like I think was more explicit about that. Yeah, but, but this the, one's but like... the documentary itself sort of like skirted the issue, and this is fully what it's about it's not the most optimistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) look at things but it's still like gorgeous it's like oh look at this like gorgeous mating ritual between these two beautiful birds and then it's like by the way their habitats on the outs good luck (laughs) i I just feel like nature documentaries are gonna get like sadder and sadder and Mm -hmm. and and bleaker and bleaker and and eventually we're gonna have like just It'll be a Sarah McLaughlin song and then just a montage of all the animals that are extinct now. Yeah. Like, let's basically... Our Planet heading, 2. Maybe Our Planet part. 3. Yeah. <laughs> if we make it to Our Planet 3, I mean, that, that's pretty optimistic. Our Planet 2, if this one took like four or five years, yeah. Our Planet 2 seems likely. Yeah. yeah. You know, Our Planet 3. We'll see. Yeah. Our Planet 3, they might have to rush out of production. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, we got six months. Call Sarah in. Yeah. <laughs> have her do have her do a reimagining of Mirrorball in its entirety and then like let's No, but it's just... the one it's like the commercial with all like the sad dogs looking yeah, at you. It's with, like except it's sad eyes. every single animal <laughs> on earth. There's like I mean it is our planet is wonderful and everyone listening should absolutely watch it. Mm-hmm. Just because it takes you to the place that Planet Earth takes you. Like it's just yeah. like beautiful nature documentaries. But the scene that best describes how bleak this documentary is, it involves these walruses who need to get to water, but they're like trapped on land and they fling themselves off cliffs desperately trying to get back in the oh, water oh my god and they don't always Do they make, make it, it? Oh, okay. no oh, no and I'm so there's just, like i'm gonna turn it off when that happens like, and then just assume that they assume all made that they it have. but then lewis there's cute penguins and there's cute like there's these cute fish in coral reefs that aren't bleached you know like right trying to eat some <laughs> beautiful sea urchins like a lot of it is you know 80 percent of it a solid 80 percent is like i love the world it's just a show that I know that I would watch, like, 
at 1 a.m., mm-hmm. obviously completely sober. And I feel like <laughs> it's like would send me into like an existential crisis. Yeah. Which I'm, you know, happens regardless, but a really bad one. But you know what? It's an existential crisis that we all need to have. You're right. You know? yeah. You're right. I, I, I'm convinced. I now believe in climate change. <laughs> I was not so sure. You needed David Attenborough to tell you. I need him to tell me everything. He's a very soothing voice. The other thing I wanted to mention is that Netflix now knows me so well that every time I open it up, it's like, watch Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 1 and 2. And I'm like, <laughs> I will <laughs> table this. I, w- oh, I will say just really quickly, I got an Oculus Go, which is a, you know, is, oh, the, the VR headset. Yeah. Um, because Can you watch I, on that? Movies? Because I'm unemployed and do things like that. Uh, <laughs> impulse buy things that are expensive. But you can you can watch, there's a Netflix app, right? And so you put it on and you're sitting in like a living room and like a, like a mountain lodge. And, like, you could see out the window and, like, you're watching on a big screen TV. And, like, for me, what? someone who lives in a studio apartment with no TV, it's, like, a dream. Wait. It makes the, it seem like you are in... You're in a, you're, you're a, in someone else's home and you're watching on the big screen TV. Does oh. it sort of... Are, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like... Speechless. I should have brought it. Wait, we could have all watched together. Does the screen sort of mimic the feel of an actual big screen TV? For Does sure. Does it feel like yes. you're watching? Yes. There are other apps for, you know, other streaming services I, I won't mention um, that have like a movie theater like where you're watching in a movie theater. And it, it's crazy because you logically know you are like watching on a tiny screen, uh-huh. but you you can look around. Our like, brains are stupid. Our yeah. brains are yeah. dumb <laughs> as hell. And you can look around and see this enti- this giant screen. But yeah, the Netflix one is great. It, the only problem is that like the, ch- the the whole thing is that, like the charge lasts like two hours. So you have to like constantly Can you plug yourself charging. in? No, because it heats up and I've been told it can explode <laughs> in your face. And like of all the things that could explode <laughs> in your face, like between the between the jewel and my Oculus, like one of them is going to explode. And I'm hoping it's like... This my is why not we're not going to get an our planet too. <laughs> right. Everyone's face is going <laughs> to explode right. with something everyone's, before Everyone's that. charging their devices. It's getting this, like, these chemicals it, like, all over the place. But worth it because I get to pretend I have a big screen TV in my apartment. That's, and I definitely don't. That's and, amazing. And a couch to sit on. I don't have a couch either. So there's a lot going on. That the, is wild. Netflix can you app choose the living room? Or does it have to no, be this, like, Alpine there are not, you can. There's, like, some... You can change the lighting. Okay. But, um... <laughs> But some of the apps you can change the weather outside. It's oh. so it's oh so weird. God. It's very it's very strange and obviously worth the money that I shouldn't have spent on it. So <laughs> shout great. out to the Netflix app. On I mean, Oculus. it's very. I mean, what what you are describing is so dystopian. I don't have a couch or a TV, but I buy this thing and it makes me feel like I do. Yeah, this and is it's just like Ready Player wait, One, right? Expa- this exactly. Is well, a- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was reading reviews. People were like, in the future, like we won't even need movie theaters. We could all just like watch stuff by ourselves virtually in a movie theater. And I was like, this is so dark, and you don't even realize how dark it is. And also, <laughs> I do get creeped out when I'm watching scary movies on it because I'm always worried I'm going to turn and someone's going to be sitting next to me, mm-hmm. which isn't... Or you'll take off the goggles and someone's in well, front that's, of you. That's, that's more realistic. <laughs> but enough about the real world. I <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to a fantasy world. Let's move on to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes. Jaya, you watched it. Yes. You're a witch expert. Explain, tell the audience why you know so much about witches. Oh, um, well, <laughs> uh, because I was like, I don't know, a goth preteen. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of how it happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm the author of Basic Witches, so it's something that has always interested me. I definitely practice, you know, witchy things in my life. Mm-hmm. One of the main interesting things to me about this show is that I think the modern understanding of witchcraft is that there is not one strict practice of it Mm -hmm. you know it's a very individualized spirituality and the people who call themselves witches do a million different things so the fact that she is a witch in this one 
like basically Satan worshiping extremely heteronormative cult mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> is I, I think, you know, the backlash that the show has gotten mm-hmm. from a lot of witches has been a lot because of that. It's like, whoa, you're out here eating babies <laughs> and and there is the literal devil that is a goat with like huge horns walking on his hind legs yeah. coming into things. It's like, okay, you took this literally in a way <laughs> that like not a lot of people. And I mean, like there is that sort of practice out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, they just went with one very specific thing. That was the most surprising thing to me about it. Like when yeah. I started the first the first half of the season, I was like, oh, this is the devil. I didn't realize that, especially like this has nothing like Melissa Joan Hart would be out of her mind in this universe. She would have no idea what's going on. Caroline Ray here. Like who could imagine? This would not work. And it's like this is the devil. This is Lilith is in there. Mm -hmm. It's like extremely like biblical devil witchcraft Mm -hmm. sort of stuff, which is just. Yeah, I've watched the whole show and I still don't know if it's good or if I like it. Like I kept watching. Mm hmm. And I kept being interested, but then people asked me, like, did you like it? I'm like, no clue. Don't you feel like that's, I feel like that's such a common thing with, like, peak TV. And I think think a lot of it is that, like, there's just so much, and I just watch so much. It's, like, kind of how, like, during theater season, I see, like, a show every night, and it's, like, it all kind of blurs together, and it's hard for me to, like, figure out what I actually, like, what what my favorites were, like, what I really love. Because it's just, you're, you're just taking in so much. Yeah. And you're binging, like so much Sabrina at once. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and everyone is so, and the other thing about peak TV is that like there's so much of it but everyone's really good at it now. So like everyone yeah. involved so it's like your 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 production team, your your cast, like every show looks great. Like if mm-hmm. you put in, if you put in the time you will have a show that looks great, that has a great cast in it and that is well structured to the point where like you can, like we talked about this a few weeks ago where I watched all of Umbrella Academy and I don't really think I liked it much but I kept going because I was like, this has a structure that is like appealing to me. Yeah. And so it's like you just keep going. And then the ending, fortunately, was pretty was pretty good. And you're like, okay. And then if the ending works, then you kind of feel okay dealing with the rest of it. Yeah. Do you think Kiernan Shipka makes a a convincing witch? I do. I think she's really good at it. I think she does get the good Sabrina mentality of like being a little bit conflicted you know, yeah, definitely different from Melissa Joan Hart, but I like the character. It's like she's, you know, she's sort of hard-headed. She keeps trying to figure things out on her own and fight against people and then sort of not realizing the enormity of what she might be up against. Mm-hmm. All her outfits are really cute. <laughs> like, is, they are very, very important <laughs> aspect of this uh-huh. show is that everyone looks cute. Yeah, no, I think I think she's definitely convincing. Okay. It's such a funny world. Like the whole town and everything that they've set up in there is like well yeah that's what's interesting to me about it it's that this is like technically in the archie universe so it's like you've got this like actual show about the archie cinematic universe the show about literal satan literal um, satan in the same universe where you know archie got hot and any if anything i would love for this show to be more horny in a way that Riverdale yes. is. Mm-hmm. It could definitely be hornier. That's true. I think I, I want a good combination of the two shows. I think I want the the slight absurd horniness of Riverdale, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate like the darkness and like some of the stuff that they're going for yeah. in Sabrina. I don't think it becoming more like Riverdale is out of the question. I right. feel like you have to introduce like this character as this like 
independent, strong, like give yeah. Kiernan Shipka like a chance to shine. Yeah. And like, let's introduce you to like what this Sabrina is because it's, it is dark and it is sort of fucked up. Yeah. And then now that she's established in season two, it can get a little hornier. Yeah. I do. Well, I do think also that like, it's Riverdale's become. Are you? Do either of you watch Riverdale? I stopped. Yeah. I stopped Riverdale. Watch it? Like Riverdale has become so much darker and like weirder. And like, I mean, Archie got attacked by a bear, and then a bunch of nuns committed suicide. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was a mass suicide of fake nuns. Um, and also, there. Don't worry, not real nuns. Okay, like, not real nuns. Okay, it, it okay. Is, it is like reaching heights of absurdity that I can't quite like articulate. But I think that like the selling point for me with Sabrina was that like oh it's like this darker version of Riverdale, but yeah. Riverdale I think has actually become at least as dark as Sabrina. I mean, there's not as much like sacrifice of humans, but it's like pretty much there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I don't see them as much of a distinction anymore. Yeah, that's true. I think the weird thing too about Sabrina is right like right now she's still living in this back and forth between her like normal person school Mm -hmm. and like the witch school that she goes to and so it's like it seems like they've really had to stretch like why she is still involved in like the real world or like why she decided to go to the witch school full time Um, but they still have these plot lines with like her normal friends um, which is cool but then it's like this feels like a totally different show mm-hmm. now, like over here with what Harvey is doing, and and yeah, it's, it's like hard Harry to, Potter it's hard stayed to find in that Hogwarts. Balance. Yeah. yeah, it's like but Harry I mean, Potter was stayed in Har- Hogwarts right. for his time. Like he wasn't going back and forth on the weekends. Yeah, you know yeah. but like we, yeah, it's like <laughs> Harry Potter world. But then there was still a chapter of like we knew what Dursley was doing. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. but it's so hard to find that balance with yeah. like with teen shows that are supernatural, like any mm-hmm. sort of genre show, because it's like, or even something like Riverdale. Not to keep harping on Riverdale, but we're in the same universe, but. <laughs> right after Archie got attacked by a bear and died um, and then came he wasn't fully dead but he like basically died he was mostly dead um, then in the next episode, literally the next episode, he's like, oh my God, I forgot the SATs. And like, that's that's a big plot point. He has to like, he has to study for the SATs. And you're like, how do you care about this? Mm. And like, you know, Buffy always kind of struggled with that too. It's like, how do you do the real life problems? Yeah. And also the supernatural, which is often a metaphor. Right. But like, how do you find that balance so it doesn't feel like, why do we care about school? Yeah. And I think the weird thing is like having physically the two locations yes. of like her needing to be in like the non-witch school and the witch school, mm-hmm. wherever it is. Is a magic place out by the train tracks. Um, but Same. then, yeah, there was like an episode where she brings her witch boyfriend to like normal school prom. Right. And you're just like, I mean, I guess, yeah. But <laughs> I was, I was actually going to make the the comparison to Buffy because I never watched yeah. it, and I, in my mind, and what I know about Buffy, I was like, this show has more in common with. Buffy than it does with the there's original lot, Sabrina, than anything, yeah. really. I think there's a lot of it that definitely feels like Buffy. I think, you know, Buffy gets to be more grounded in the quote-unquote real world because, mm-hmm. right, it's like taking place at the school, her family is, like, normal rather mm-hmm. than her family also being Our a witches, family yeah. of, like, vampire hunters that she needs to, like, choose to go mm-hmm. live amongst. So I think there's, like, more natural expectation where it's like if she was sent to vampire hunter school and didn't have to take the SATs then it's like well like yeah, yeah you could just go do that <laughs> Buffy did not do on her SATs no <laughs> um, but better than expected I, I think that there's like a lot of thematic similarities I yeah. think the kind of choice between trying to be a normal teenage girl and having these like huge like impossible to conceive of like like obligations to some sort of yeah you know 
not higher power, like a like a some whatever higher purpose, higher, higher yes, purpose. like you know, mm. some sort of destiny thing happening. Literally, the devil, right? <laughs> the devil, the devil, the Watchers. Like, there's you know, there's similarities there. Also, like Sabrina was kind of toying with the monster of the week thing, which I think is really hard for shows now because, especially shows on Netflix, which you're meant to watch like in binging, in, in binging sessions. form. You kind of like they're much more serialized. They're kind of like longer movies cut into chunks. And so it was a little bit jarring in Sabrina when they had a Monster of the Week episode with the like the demon who made them have nightmare like the was it a demon or yeah there was a night it was a very classic like every genre show has done this episode. yeah it was like mm-hmm. a sleep demon okay that like but, yeah right and it was like Buffy had that episode two of them um uh which but I, I thought it like it was fun and it made me think of Buffy I just think it's hard to find that balance between serialized storytelling and those like episodic sort of standalone episodes yeah absolutely like I think there is like a like a happy medium and I think that like I think serialized storytelling is great I wish that more showrunners didn't treat their shows like a movie that has, like, just has cuts every, like, you know, 45 minutes Mm -hmm. to an hour. But, right, it's, like, there's still a difference of, like, this is a show and there are things that you can do with a TV show that you can't do with a movie and, it's like, to highlight those sorts of things. So I want to ask you as, like, a witch expert, (laughs) because I think it's, like, interesting. A lot of, like, you know, obviously there are a lot of stories about, like, um, witches who are persecuted but are actual witches. And, like... You know, when we think about, like, the Salem witch trials, like, they probably weren't witches. They probably were women who mm-hmm. were just, you know, murdered. Yeah. And so, like, is there, like, any sort of, like, contention? Like, is that, like, an issue for people that, like, to tell the stories that way? That's usually the dominant story now. I mean, I think a lot, for me personally, I think those two things combine a lot, right? It's, like, how much is witch uh, an identity that you take on yourself and how much of it is like something that you are accused of being mm-hmm. but also like what you're accused of being is some like a woman who doesn't follow any of like the rules society has laid out for you so I think like regardless of whether the women in Salem or anywhere else were actually practicing witchcraft and there was like one or two where they were like oh we found like you know a spell sort of thing that you were doing and were upset about that to me, like, those two things feel very close still because it's like, well, you were still, like, I don't know, maybe a woman who was single and not Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, like, you know. That's enough. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> I guess it would, be a, it would be pretty boring if, like, all the witch shows, they're like, they're not really witches. People just think they are. People mm-hmm. just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sabrina obviously is on the, the far end of that. It's <laughs> sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, no, she, she wrote her worshipers. name in blood into the book of the mm-hmm. devil. And <laughs> Who among us? Do you think the show would have worked if um, Salem were still a talking cat, preferably, oh. preferably with the same voice from the, from the original? I, I think, think there's a way to make. I think work. about this all the time, and I'm like, I kind of want to see that version of the show, even though like it would be a tonal mess. I would of like Salem. Yeah. I just want to see like what that looks like. He could just like punctuate things every now and then. He wouldn't have to be as consistent as he was in the original sitcom. Right. But I feel like there's a way to make a talking cat work. Let's move on to another show that's set in the fantasy world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so ready. Um, Los Angeles, but specifically the hills, the, specifically the Sunset hills, Boulevard. Yeah. They're by like Sunset Plaza. That's okay. usually where they keep showing. Let's uh, just call the fantasy world their office. Lewis, you are from Los Angeles. Yes. I would say born and raised. That's te- born that, and raised. That's true. Born you and raised. You can't be from Los Angeles and not say you're born and raised there. <laughs> you have to assert yourself constantly. Yeah. When you watch it, do you do you get homesick or do you watch oh it and you feel <laughs> no, like I'm so glad not. I'm away from this I'm like, place? thank God I left Los Angeles. No, I, I think that it, you know, I watch a lot of reality TV and much of it is set in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it very rarely captures any experience that I understand mm-hmm. I think that like Selling Sunset is way more like The Hills or like 
Beverly Hills Housewives in a way. Like the only show that's actually captured LA in a way that I understand is Vanderpump Rules because yeah. they talk about how long commutes are um, to get to like <laughs> when you have to go to like the West Side. But the, I digress. I, I understand what it's doing, and I think it captures like a version of LA that is not something that I personally know, but that like makes sense to me on a TV show. So Selling Sunset is a docu soap. Docu-soap. I think that's the the genre that we're using. Yes, and it um it, it follows a real estate firm called the Oppenheim Group. It, it's run about by two it's twins. about a really handsome French man named Romain and um, <laughs> the people the people surrounding him. So I, I guess oh that's, te- that's technically not what it's about, but that's how I chose to interpret the show. Romain is the boyfriend of Mary. Mary, one of the agents. Yes, Mary is. Um, there's an age difference which I 37. am obsessed with. She's thirty. 30 I she's thirty-eight. Oh, she's she 38 just turned now. thirty-eight. Yeah. She okay. just turned thirty-eight. Wait, and how old is Romain? Twenty-five. 25. He's twenty-five. Ooh. Which he's a hunk, and she has a kid, and he doesn't want kids for ten years. And she's like, "Well, my kid's already like twelve. And but we don't really know. There's a language barrier because he's very French, and like <laughs> we're not. He sort of misspoke. Maybe I'm trying to be on his side here. Um, we don't know exactly what he wants. You, um, Romaine could kill someone. You'd be like, well, we don't really know. We don't that. really know. <laughs> we don't really know. They're mitigating. I mean, I just think that he's such a cutie. And when you're watching a show like that, you're allowed to be really shallow. He is my star of the show. It's it's you've got you've got the two guys who own the Oppenheim group. These, these, two, two, these twins. two twins who are honestly like so forgettable. I don't know which one is which. Bald meathead twins. I don't even remember their names. And Jason, like, and, I wrote them down. Brett and Jason. Brett but, but, and Jason. Wait, okay, it's it's twins and it's not the property. Not the property brothers. No. Are, new, new is twins. there a They're correlation just... of twins to real estate that we need to investigate? I think we do actually. <laughs> Maybe the property brothers though are really funny because the property brothers just the only reason they landed on real estate, which I feel is true for most people in real estate yeah. the only reason they landed in real estate is because the other stuff they tried failed they and so you just sort of end up there too, they wanted right? to be magicians they were actors they <laughs> were singers so funny. and so it's like whenever that doesn't work and you're pretty good looking you can go into real estate because people want to talk to a good looking person when they buy a house right. it's true so it's these it's these women they all work at the Oppenheim group they all sell these houses and it's like you know they're selling this eight million dollar house so when it shows you the uh the exterior and then some like glamour shots of the inside it's like eight point seven million dollars commission you know one hundred and sixty three thousand dollars so it's like commissions are nuts the commissions are nuts but i'm also sort of like they're only getting a percentage of that commission because the rest of that commission is going to the oppenheim group so it's like how much though a million dollars like one of them was like over a million yeah but i i feel like it must be at least like 50 50 and they probably get maybe even less for sure still it's a lot it's a ton of money yeah but the the basic like the the entry point to the show is this character who's a real person allegedly um chriselle chriselle hartley um, who announces herself <laughs> as being married to Justin Hartley. You've probably heard of him. Yeah. He's, um, he's on This Is Us. He's on This Is yeah. Us, which is a popular show. Um, so it's like, you know, a lot of reality shows, you have to have, you have like a newcomer come in and they're like innocent and sweet and like this, they're, it, this like this, these horrible vipers that she's like thrown into mm-hmm. um, who like try really hard to be reality show villains. And like... <laughs> it doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite work, but it's like so fun to watch because Again, as someone who watches so much reality TV, you know who's performing and who's trying to get more screen time and who's trying to like stir shit up. But the drama is like so light and so and like forgettable. Like they're not really fighting. They're She's... kind of just like existing and and having occasional like moments where they bicker. Yeah. So <laughs> the show follows Chriselle and she's not very good at her job. And she has this like completely whack intro where she's like, as a soap opera star, like I have a lot of downtime. 
So I thought, like, I may as well throw my hat in the ring of the real estate world. Like, and she's not, not like, very good at it. So they all resent her because she comes in and she's not very good at it. She starts, like, kind of get stealing some of their, some of their clients away mm-hmm. sometimes. But all of that seems very manufactured. I don't believe that drama was real to begin with. But Chriselle, do you know why her name is Chriselle? No. Because her mom went into labor at a Shell gas station and the attendant who helped them out was named Chris. Oh, my God. Chris Shell. This is the only way baby should be named. <laughs> yes. This is and anything that's any bad, other tradition is utter crap. That's a bad term. That's where, like that's like where were you can like where were where, you conceived or where were you born and like who helped mm-hmm. and then that's your name. And hers would be the only one that remotely sounds, sounds like a real name. Like yeah, what if absolutely. she had been what if she had been um uh, Barry Chris Chevron. Exxon. Chris Chevron. <laughs> Chris, Chris Exxon. I, I think those are actually great names. Um, Barry Exxon but I was, Mobile. But I, actually, I love that she's a soap star because there is this tradition in reality TV of like casting from soaps on like reality like dramas yeah. that are supposed to be real. And like it's become more and more of a thing. And I think a lot of that is because the farther we go into like the reality world, the more everyone knows how this works. And it's harder to find genuine, natural people who want to be on these shows and like mm-hmm. make an ass of themselves. And so, you know, Beverly Hills Housewives is like pretty much all actors now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's largely people who have an acting background or are still acting like Lisa Rinna or uh, or Denise Richards. Like these are just actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Eileen I- Davidson. These are like these are soap stars who yeah. like found their way onto Housewives. Um, but I was telling Bobby when we were texting about Selling Sunset and then he reminded me to save it for the pod. Um, <laughs> you, 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 you have like also like on Vanderpump Rules, they like cast someone for one season mm-hmm. who was a, who was like a, a soap star veil and they brought her on just to kind of be like, we need some help, like to do something like you're mm-hmm. an actor, do something. And Chriselle being a soap star is like so perfect because like she was clearly hired to kind of like perform this role of like a, a the the ingenue real estate agent mm-hmm. who's learning as she goes and it's <laughs> and she's getting better at it she's making her sales but i find what's interesting is that they throw her into this and everyone else is doing all the work so like the central drama of the season i i would say is that mary is dating romaine mm-hmm. and he's younger and mary has a lot of money and so maybe in the third episode of the season, there's only eight, Davina is talking with Chriselle privately and says, um, they're talking about their relationship, Mary and Romaine's relationship, and Chriselle is like, does Romaine work? Like, does Romaine pay? She's basically being like... Is he a kept is he, man? But, but, like, but is but he in, paying in her, his own way? Yeah. Is in, she paying for everything? Right. In her defense, and this and this is the defense she uses, everyone is kind of like talking around this and being like, everyone is, I don't, yes. everyone's like, oh, I don't know. They're moving so fast. Like Mary was just crying about him. And they now, just gotten engaged. And, oh, okay. and, and, and now he's, now he's proposing and now they're getting married. Like, I don't trust this. And so Chriselle is like, I don't really get it. Like, is he, it's very is he, earnest. Is he like, yeah, she's, she's like, yeah. is he like taking her money? Like, what's the, what's the story what's the here? Davina isn't mm. shocked that Chriselle asked this question. No, right. Not at but all. But it becomes this central conflict for the rest of the thing where Davina decides to start shit where she's like, Chriselle brought up Romaine with me and like thinks it's weird, wants to know if you had a prenup. And so Mary's like, you're talking about me behind my back, which is like the lowest level drama. Yeah. Everyone talks Mary, about everyone Mary behind everyone's yeah, back. And Mary doesn't care. No, like, Mary doesn't like care. Like explained herself, Mary doesn't care. And then Christine, who is like trying so hard to be the Stassi. Christine's like Regina George. Christine, oh, Stassi. Christine, yeah. Christine wants to be Stassi Schroeder so bad. She even talks about Adderall. I'm like, you <laughs> are desperate to be Stassi. And she just like starts like she's the only one who actually has like a true reality show like you're a, like you're she's a look too yeah she is, she definitely she has a look and she's like kind of going off on Chriselle 
like you're talking about my best friend because mm-hmm. apparently she and Mary are best friends, but it's kind of changes episode to episode. And she's like, and she's like, you're my sister. Like I couldn't be <laughs> in this world without you. Like shots, tequila, lemon um, drops. <laughs> they're all a little bit older than you'd think, which yeah. I love. Um, that's my other thing about Vanderpump Rules that I love is that like yes. they're not in their twenties. They're like all in their mid to late. This 30s. is the thing that I find hilarious about Vanderpump is that they're yeah they're like thirty eight. And right. it's just like, really? <laughs> right. So, I mean, some like, of the, right. Some of them are, you know, like Stassi just turned 30. So we're like, you yeah, know, but, no, but Jax fine. is like fully 60 years old. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I mean, he says he's 40, but like, who believes what Jax says? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's so fascinating because I do think that like high school behavior absolutely continues. Oh, yeah. Past, mm-hmm. you know, it totally does. High school and past your 20s. But I also think it's funny to watch people in their 30s trying very hard to fight for TV. Yeah. yeah. And everyone on the show is basically doing that except Chriselle Shell and um, Maya. Maya. Maya has no idea why she's there. Maya is, <laughs> Maya is this Israeli woman who has this really, really thick accent. So sometimes there's a language barrier. It does that really annoying thing that shows do sometimes where it's like the woman who does... Only do- subtitles sometimes. Subtitles, only subtitles sometimes. And yeah. it's like, I understood her. This is rude. Yeah. You, don't need to, you don't need to give Maya subtitles all the time. She's speaking English. But Maya is sort of hovering over the weird drama that's being started by Christina and Davina and Mary. Even though Mary's only sort of part, partly involved. And Chriselle's responses to the drama are so funny and sort of like they remind me of how I would react if I were in a show like this where it's like suddenly people are mad at me for talking behind your back and yeah. it's like why are you screaming at me over rosé at a restaurant in right. public because Rochelle's <laughs> always sort of like completely bewildered by people being mad at her right and it's real like I, I don't watch that much Bravo so I'm not sure if this is a something common among Bravo shows, but do you usually have that character who's sort of a stand-in for us? There's that, and I feel like there's a lot too of the um, the talking behind someone's back that I've noticed in a lot of these shows is that it started as like, oh, legit, maybe shit-talking somebody, and now it's just like having a conversation about someone you have in common when they are not there, mm-hmm. which is like, there's a difference between those two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's funny that a lot of times it gets framed as concern when it's like Lisa yeah. Rinna saying she is close to death about Kim Richards and like, I'm just gonna heard about her sobriety. But, um, <laughs> But I think that it's it's on this sh- on this show and Selling Sunset it's like so clearly a non issue, mm-hmm. um, but they needed something to talk about because no yeah. one cares about real estate. So like, yeah. I mean, I I'm truly like I guess I kind of care, but I don't know. It's not like House Hunters where I can just kind of like put it on and enjoy looking at houses and watch couples kind of hate each other. It's like oh it really God. goes deep on like on these like giant houses that none of us will ever be able to afford. And I'm like, eh. I, I did wanna I, I, I did take a couple notes that I wanted to mention. Okay. Um I hope we can clear something up. Please. There's this moment when Maya says repeatedly <laughs> The silent of the lamb. The silent of the lamb. I, I still don't understand why she's saying I that. think she says it because it's like an awkward silence in the room. Because it's, and it's, that's this, what she it's this extended it's this extended <laughs> moment where all the women are like at their computers, like whatever, and it's silent. And then suddenly Maya breaks in and it just goes, The silent of the lamb. The silent of the lamb. <laughs> you what? The silent of the lamb. <laughs> And then that's it. it I'm gonna the, do this from now on. But I, but I love that because that's the kind of like real awkwardness that I want from a reality show yeah. where they just have no idea what is going on. And also, like, it's part of this. 
there's a very soothing monotony to mm-hmm. this show. I want like nothing. I like when nothing it's happens. This. It's yeah. just a like, lot of talking. It's just like level. it's not. There's I, I don't like. I mean, the drama is whatever. It's fun, I guess. But like, I kind of like when they're just sitting around trying to be vaguely interesting, mostly just chit chatting. Mm-hmm. I think we're done talking about Selling Sunset, but that was great. <laughs> I'm never I, done, I but it. I appreciate. I this. Uh, I mean, do you do you recommend it to to people generally? I have to know a person to know if they would like it or not. Mm-hmm. It's not like what you're gonna get watching a housewife show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like for people who enjoy um, the white noise of certain reality TV, mm-hmm. and it's very much a white noise show for me. Me too. I and I was on my computer during it. Mm-hmm. I cleared it in an afternoon. Yeah, a lot of listening. But I I didn't I did enjoy it. It's just not like deeply compelling drama. It's yeah. nothing. Perfect for an afternoon. Yes. Um, but before we end, I just want to play one call because we do have a call in line. You can call in and tell me what you're obsessed with. It's 754-CALL-BOB. Yes, that's the, the phone number, 754-CALL-BOB. We got a good call about the OA. I'm just going to play it now, and we can talk about it briefly afterwards. Hey, Bobby. I think we need to talk more about the OA. Um, I'm really glad that you brought it up briefly in the last episode. Um, but I feel like... Everybody loved the first season so much, and nobody's talking about the second season, and they need to be. Everybody's all focused on the stupid Mueller report coming out and the stupid EU banning memes and the Brexit situation. And uh, I really think that the uh, second season of the OA ends with the 10 most audacious minutes of television uh, ever presented. And I think we need to uh, really freak out a little bit more. We need to focus up. And, uh, like, I can picture, like, an AOC, like, rant on the House floor about how over the top the last 10 minutes at the OA were and, like, how nobody could have seen that coming and how, like, they kind of pulled it off. And uh, I just, I need, I need more people to be talking about the OA. So if you could bring it up again next week, that would really come deeply appreciated by me. Uh, thank you very much. So Jaya and Lewis have not watched the OA. No, I haven't we're watched, totally useless here. Yeah, I haven't watched the final episode because I'm sort of saving it. I told Jaya this earlier, but just to show you where the OA kind of goes, it's the second season is pretty different from the first, just because it gets even more off the rails and it becomes more of a mystery and has more, like she says, just like these audacious moments. But there's a scene where you kind of think you know what's going to happen to Britt Marling. This is a spoiler. It's fine. It won't really do anything because I really don't know what it is. Yeah, no, I have no idea. You won't forget this, Lewis. Oh, okay. There's a moment where a curtain's open on Britt Marling and you're like, why is she being strapped to a chair by these like kind of men in BDSM gear? What's going on? And then she, the curtain's open and she doesn't know what's happening. And there's like an audience in front of her and then the lights turn on. And not only is there an audience in front of her, there's a giant tank of water behind her, and inside is an enormous octopus. Oh, I did hear about the octopus. And the yes. octopus grabs onto her wrists and then connects its little, you know, suction cups and then begins communicating with her telepathically. Right, yeah, yeah. This doesn't explain anything about no, the show. No, yeah, no, you, you no, told me this. I have, I have no, no idea, idea who this any of these people are or, like, why, yeah. It's unlike Sabrina in that it's 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 incredibly cinematic. An episode ends and it just sort of like, you gotta keep going. Yeah. And it feels like one very long movie, but the movie is very gorgeous and strange. And it's a little, it's silly, but it's done so earnestly and it's done so, uh, it's made so well. And it has this like very singular vision. You, you respect it more than you get yeah. kind of freaked out by it. Yeah, it's funny. And I think I, I was saying to you at one point that the OA is one of those shows where everyone I know who's watched it 
either is like this caller and is like AOC needs to be talking about <laughs> this on the House floor. That's how important it is. I agree. Uh, and yeah, Green New Deal and Octopus God. Yes. Um, and then and then everyone else I see is just like I hate this show. Oh yeah. And it is like one of the most divisive things I have heard mm-hmm. of recently. But with that, we're going to end. It's time to it's time to end this. So thank you, Jaya and Lewis, for coming. <laughs> We've talked so much about these shows. Thank you so much for coming. We will be here in two weeks. You can call 754-CALL-BOB with your own obsessions. We will play them at the end of the next episode. Until then, see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>